Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Today we're in part five of this series called Seek. And the verse that we keep coming back around to, keeps kind of boomeranging back to us, is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's not the only verse, but it's one of them, where uh, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Now, some people, they might read that and get scared. Oh, my gosh. They're worried about... It's impossible to please God. No, if you have faith, then it is possible. That's the good thing. So if you've got faith, that's, that's how you can be pleasing to the Lord. And then it says this, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Well, duh, right? <laughs> and then this, this part is amazing. God rewards those who sincerely seek him. Those who diligently seek him. Those who earnestly Seek him. And so we, we've talked about the position of our hearts. We've talked about that, you know, we're saying to God, God, if you're not in this, I don't care how good it seems. If you're not in it, then I don't want it. I don't want to waste my time with it. I don't want to waste my life in it if you're not in this, God. What I want more than anything else is for you to show me your glory. I, I want to know your presence. I want to be just in your presence all the time, God. And then we, we also talked about having a right view of God is directly tied to the level of intensity in which we seek God. And so if you do just a self-examination, if you just do a, run a diagnostic on your heart today, and you realize, man, I'm, I'm really not in a season where I'm really pursuing the Lord, I'm not really seeking God with everything that's within me, then, then do this. Ask the Holy Spirit for a fresh revelation of who the Father is. Say, God, just give me a fresh revelation. Help me see you clearly. Help me see you rightly. And when you get a fresh revelation, when you start to see God the right way, it will automatically ramp up your level of seeking him. And then in turn, what happens when we seek him? He rewards our seeking him. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me. And when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. That's a wonderful reward, isn't it? And so then our brother uh, from Nigeria, Barnabas Johanna, was here with us, and he reminded us that, that miracles and signs and wonders, they overflow from the place of seeking the face of God, not just the hand of God. We're, we want relationship with God, not just, God, what can you do for me? We don't come to God with our long Christmas wish list like a kid does and say, God, do these things for me. That's not the kind of relationship that we, we want to have with God. That's not the kind of relationship he wants to have. But when we seek the face of God, when we are in relationship with a miracle-working God, then what do we get to automatically see? Miracles, right? And then last week we talked about in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of I didn't see the answer to my prayer, I didn't get my miracle, disappointment tries to come upon us and it tries to lead us down a dead-end road. But in spite of disappointment, we still seek God. And when we do that, it actually sets up the perfect scenario for God to show up and show off when we seek him in spite of disappointment. Right? 
when we are like the four friends who took their paralytic friend to see Jesus in Capernaum and they couldn't get into the house and they didn't let disappointment overtake them. They climbed up on the roof and they broke through. They went, they couldn't get through on this level, so they went to another level. And what did they see? They saw a miracle. So let's do this. Before we go in any further, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. Heavenly Father, first of all, we declare that you are a good father. You give good gifts to your children. We're so thankful that you're good to us. You are our creator. You are healer. You are provider. You're all these things and so much more. We recognize that you are a holy God and you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy for us to live for. And we are so privileged, God, that because of Jesus, we're able to be called sons and daughters, that we have every inheritance, everything that you gave to Jesus, it belongs to us. And we thank you for that. And so we ask you right now in these moments where we look at your word and we consider what it is that, that, that's written here, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts, give us new and fresh revelation, things, God, that, are, that we have, that have laid dormant or we've let die, we pray that you would raise them to life. God, we just command the ruins of our life to, to come back to life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray, we thank you that you give us beauty for ashes. So Lord, we come to you in faith right now and expecting to hear from you, expecting to walk out of this place different than when we came in expecting that when we walk out of this place that we're going to be equipped to be atmosphere changers wherever we step, to carry your presence wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I grew up here in Middle Tennessee, and when I was growing up here, we didn't have any major professional sports. I mean, we had the Nashville Sounds or AAA baseball, and I love the Nashville Sounds, wonderful Nashville tradition. I uh, loved going to the Sounds games as a kid, but um, we didn't have any other professional sports other than that when I was growing up. And so about the time I left for college, that's when the Preds came, that's when the Titans came on this, that same year. And, uh, and, and so I didn't grow up going to any of those games. I didn't grow up being a fan of those two teams. But we moved back here to Middle Tennessee seven years ago, and so, hey, this is home. You know, it's always been home, even though I was away for about 14 years came back here, this is home, and so what do you do? You root for the hometown team. So immediately, you become a Preds fan, you become a Titans fan. And I remember the very first game, the Preds game that I went to, it was a lot of fun. Jamie and I went with a few friends, and we actually were given tickets, and there was a whole row of us, and we had a blast, and, it, and I immediately fell in love with it. And it's not just the hockey. I mean, I'd been to other hockey games, but it, so it was more than just the hockey. It was just the whole atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And I loved, like, in between periods, they would have, like, some kind of contest or race out on the ice with just ordinary, everyday people just pulling them out of the stands and doing something fun. And for that moment, those people are the center of attention. They're out there on the ice where all the pros are out there playing. And it's just a lot of fun. And I love the other stuff, too, like the kiss cam, you know, where, where you put the, pe- the camera on two people, a couple that we hope is a couple, you know, and they, they kiss and they're up on the jumbotron and... Or when they put some kind of fun song on and people just randomly get up and start dancing crazy and just trying to bring attention to themselves to get up on the Jumbotron. I don't know why that's so much fun, but it just is. I don't know what it, what it is about that. But um, our very first Preds game, I guess we were wild and crazy enough that we got up on the Jumbotron. 
I don't remember what it was that we were doing, but we got up there not just once, but two different times during the game. We got up there. And, you know, as I think about this and I think about, you know, doing something wild and crazy to draw attention to yourself, to get up there on the Jumbotron, that's all fun. But I also think it's a microcosm of our culture at large today. More than any other time in history, we have this many different avenues to bring attention to ourselves, to say, hey, everybody, look at me, see me, hear me. We try to be seen and heard. We try to be recognized. Now, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, I think we tend to think, like, what can I do to be applauded? What can I do to be celebrated? How can everyone see right now what it is that I'm doing? How can everyone see right now how important I am or how funny I am or how talented I am? You know, we all like positive acknowledgement. We, we like the pats on the back. We like the attaboys. We like people telling us, good job. We like the retweets and the thumbs ups and the hearts on all of our posts, right? And there's this need for affirmation that's hardwired on the inside of every single one of us. So there's part of this need to be seen and heard that's perfectly normal. But then there's another part of it that I feel like oftentimes... Many of us in our culture, we step too far and we get into the place of narcissism and it seems very inward, always trying to be seen, always trying to be heard all the time. It's a serious issue. And what it does, it takes a toll on our souls. It takes a toll on our souls and what it does, it it makes our purpose in life to be out of focus. We, we take the, God's purpose for our lives and we kind of make that a secondary thing. We kind of put that on the shelf. We put that to the side. And now the focus has become me. How can I be seen? How can I be heard? And sometimes we even use the purpose that God has for our lives as a means to get seen and heard. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And you know what? It's really easy for us to say, to single out our generation it's really easy to say, well, man, this generation, that, they're the ones that have the big problem with this. They're the ones that are more nar- narcissistic than any other generation. That might be true to some extent, but, you know, this has been going on for much longer than any of us had social media. This has been going on much longer than any of us had smartphones. I remember as a kid going, man, if I score this many points tonight, I'm going to get my picture in the paper. Right? So this, this issue, this heart condition... This human heart condition has been around for much longer than any of us have been alive. In Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, Jesus is preaching, and he's preaching the most you know, widely known, most famous message ever known around the world. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus addresses this issue head on, this heart condition that we have of needing to be seen and heard. So if we look here in Matthew chapter 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus said. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Okay? So first of all, let's be clear. Jesus didn't say, don't practice righteousness. (laughs) Yes, you need to practice righteousness. And he didn't say, don't practice righteousness in front of others. There's not a period there. What he's saying is, 
Don't practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Motive. What's the condition of your heart? What, what is the motive? And Jesus says, if you do this, though, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, wait a second. I thought God was a rewarder. Well, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, those who earnestly seek him, those who sincerely seek him. He's not a rewarder of those who just want to be seen and heard. And Jesus says, you'll have no reward if that's your motive. He goes on, he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. Again, Jesus didn't say don't give to the needy. He just says when you do it, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. You don't have to be, hey, everybody, look what I did. (laughs) Again, don't do it as the hypocrites do to be honored by others. Motive, motive. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, isn't that a bummer? The Father in heaven, who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, can, I mean, I tell you what, I will take the rewards from God any day over the rewards from people. But here's what they've done. They've settled for a lesser reward, and they forfeited the reward from the Father. And listen, I'm not talking about, this is not a heaven and hell issue. This is not like, well, they, they prayed and they gave and they fasted in front of everybody to be seen by others, and then they don't get to go to heaven. That's not where I'm going with this. But there's, there's other rewards that God has for you. And Jesus says, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, you guys see my hands right here? They're pretty close to each other, aren't they? Even here, they're still pretty close to each other. As a matter of fact, they're connected to the same body. And what is Jesus saying here? Don't let your left hand know what the right hand's doing. So even the people that are closest to you, they don't have to know everything. Even the people that are closest to you, you don't have to show them and tell them, hey, look what I did. Thank you. Glad one people, one one person here is getting it. And then Jesus says, your Father in heaven sees what is done in secret and will reward you. Your Father in heaven, he sees... And he will reward you. Okay. Someone sees me and someone hears me. And he goes on. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites for they love. Again, same kind of thing all over again. They love to stand out in the street in the synagogues and pray. Why? To be seen by others. Motive. Motive. It's not about the action. Jesus is not saying, don't ever pray in public. Well, gosh, if if that were the case, man, I've just messed up a whole lot throughout my life. But no, it's not about Jesus not saying don't pray in public. He's saying, what's your motive? Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, if you're praying to God who is unseen, that takes faith. But the great thing is, is that when we have faith, we please God. That's what Hebrews 11 says, right? Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thank you, God. Again, this takes faith. And because we're, we're towards the last part of Lent here and we've been fasting, let's jump down a few verses if we 
run past this part of the scripture, the disciples say to Jesus, well, well Jesus teaches how to pray. And Jesus goes through what we know is the Lord's Prayer. And, it, and in, I know many of us in here, we probably have memorized that. We've said it a million times. And it's not about uh, just knowing exactly all the right words to say. It's not about memorizing a prayer. But what it is, is again, it's about motive. The Lord's Prayer It's about motive, it's about theme, it's about having the right view of God and having the right view of yourself in position to God. That's what it's about. So we go through all that, and then we jump down to verse 16, and because we've been fasting, I think this is a good scripture to look at. It says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disguise their faces to show others, excuse me, disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. So, it's like me walking around like this, all pitiful and miserable. J.D., what's wrong with you? I'm fasting, seeking God. (laughs) Jesus says, no. He says, don't do that. When you fast, he goes, if you do that, you've already received your full reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Take a shower and comb your hair. So that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But who is it going to be obvious to? Only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. Are we getting this? Jesus keeps driving the same thing home. Your Father sees what's done in secret, and he will reward you. That's what you need to worry about. See, so what I'm saying is this this issue of being seen and heard goes on way before our time. It's been happening for a long, 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 long time. This, this, Jesus hits this thing head on. This desire to be seen and heard needs to be greater to be seen and heard from the Father than to be seen and heard by people. There's this inborn desire that says, I want to be seen, I want to be heard, I want to be recognized, I want to be loved, but where we mess up is when we find that fulfillment in in seeking that from people and not seeking it from the only one who can truly fulfill it, and that's God our Father. So as we listen to what Jesus is saying, the writer of Hebrews echoes what Jesus is saying. And the writer of Hebrews says, God is a rewarder. He rewards those who diligently seek him, who sincerely seek him, who earnestly seek him. He's just repeating what Jesus just hammered through all out through Matthew 6. So I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. What would happen if I cared more about being seen by my heavenly father than I cared about being seen and heard by people? What would that do for my life? What if I stopped pursuing the applause of people? How would that affect my emotional stability? Well, I think it could make you emotionally stable when you seek affirmation from God and not just from people. Man, seeking affirmation, trying to just be seen and heard by by people, that's going to wreck you emotionally. That's going to make you very emotionally unstable. If you seek to to be seen and heard by the Father and not seen and heard by people, what's that going to do to your schedule? into your habits, just your daily schedule, your weekly schedule, your weekly habits, the things that you just are in the habit of doing every single day or every single week. How is that going to affect that? Well, well, wow, I think some of my time might get freed up. I think some of my habits might kind of shift and change. 
What about how would it affect my relationships? How would it affect my relationships? Wow. Man, if I, if I just sought to be seen and heard by my heavenly father, I probably wouldn't be pushing people away all the time. I probably, because, you know, trying to do everything I can to be seen and heard, I probably wouldn't come across as so needy. I probably wouldn't come across as a know-it-all or a jerk. I think, actually, this seeking to be seen and heard by my Heavenly Father actually could improve not just my relationship between me and Him, but also between me and others. I think it could strengthen my friendships. So, how would it affect my life if I stopped being consumed with being fulfilled by people and I started being consumed with being fulfilled by God? Envision for that for that moment. What would my life look like if I just retooled and refocused my affections and my attention on this truth that when I see God, he rewards me. What does that look like for your life? And then envision this for a moment. What does it look like for this entire church, this community of people to retool and refocus our affections and our attention to say, we're not going to seek to be seen and heard by people, but we're going to just be seen and heard by our heavenly father and seek him. And when we do that, we're rewarded. Mm. I think God can do some amazing things in us and through us. Repeatedly, over and over and over, Jesus says that the Father sees what is done in secret. Now, I think some people, they've used this scripture as a hammer. Like, God sees what you do in secret. And they, like, turn God into, like, this Santa Claus figure, you know. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And we try to scare people into loving and serving Jesus and scare people into stop sinning. But that's not the point that Jesus was trying to make here. He's not saying, God sees you. Better watch out. Better not pout. You know, that's not what he's saying. We tend to read this passage and we think that what it's saying is, is that, well, this is all about what I do. It's all about when I do it. It's all about where I do it. It's all about who's around when I'm doing it. But I think Jesus is trying to bring the focus on the fact that you just have a heavenly father that sees you, he recognizes you, and he affirms you. And you don't need the applause of others. You have the applause of your heavenly father. He sees what you do in secret, and he is a rewarder. Now, if we rewind to what was happening just before the Sermon on the Mount. If we go back, so we're in Matthew chapter 6, but the Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5. If we go back to Matthew chapter 3, what's going on? Well, Jesus is at the Jordan River, and he's being baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. And this is a big moment. This is a pretty big deal. The sky splits. The Holy Spirit descends and comes down and lands on Jesus in the form of a dove. And you hear not just one person, everyone there hears the audible voice of God the Father saying over Jesus, this is my son whom I love very much and he pleases me very much. This is a big deal, very visible moment. This is really not the secret place. Lots of witnesses happening here. And so if we examine the scriptures and we say, what's going on with Jesus' life? What's happening with Jesus' life before 
his baptism. Well, what do we know about Jesus' life before baptism? Well, we know about the events of his birth, right? We celebrate that, and we remember that story during Christmas. We fast forward a few days, and Jesus is brought to the temple to be dedicated, and that's where Simeon enters the story. We're going to have child dedications here in a few, in, in, uh, May 5th, so if you haven't dedicated your child, this is a wonderful opportunity. This is, follows the example of Scripture. Jesus was dedicated at the temple. Then we fast forward about 12 years, and Jesus is at the temple again during Passover, and he's blowing everybody's minds with his revelation, and his mom and dad are going, where in the world is this, is this kid? And then Jesus is like, well, mom and dad, I'm in my father's house. Wouldn't you, why would you think I'd be in any other place? And then what happens? We fast forward 18 years. So you've got these gigantic gaps in the, in the story and the growing up of Jesus. What's going on in Jesus' teenage years? What's going on in his 20s? Where was he? He's not being seen. He's not being heard. What is going on with his life? Where was he? I'll tell you where he was. He was in the secret place seeking his father. Your father, who is unseen, will see what is done in secret and will reward you. When I think about my life, you think about your life, many hours are spent in obscurity. You know, you ever run into people and you're like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And you feel, and someone asks you that, and you're like, well, I don't really have anything new to report. I don't have anything new, exciting news. Like, woo, I got to do this awesome new thing. Let me tell you all about it. Sometimes we have that, but oftentimes you run into people like, hey, what's going on? What's the new latest news? And you're like, well, just everyday life. <laughs> there's a lot of hours that are just spent in obscurity, in the mundane place. And there's nothing wrong or bad with that, but I think sometimes we, uh, we're, we've been conditioned by our modern culture to think we've always got to be doing something big and awesome and exciting all the time. And some people have felt, fallen into that trap and they've allowed their lives to become that. And really, it looks like their life is so exciting, but I promise you, it's not as exciting as it might look like on their social media feed. They might not have as much peace and enjoyment as it looks like on their social media feed. There's lots of hours that are just spent in just like, this is just normal. This is ordinary time. It's the season of the church, you know, after Pentecost, all the way through up until like Advent. It's like ordinary time. And it's just, or, there's lots of ordinary time in our lives. But I have a choice. I have a choice. Am I going to get caught up and consumed with seek, using that ordinary time, using this mundane time, using this obscure time to seek the attention, to be seen and heard by people, to show people how important I am, to show people how awesome I am, to show people, look at all the cool things that I get to do? Or am I going to just waste away the time? And we're going to just, we're going to just blow the time. We're just going to waste it away. And we're going to just binge-watch binge Netflix. Binge-watching Netflix, we're going to just waste away that mundane time. Or we can use that time to build our own empire. We can use that time to, you know, just seek after our own entertainment and recreation. Or 
I can leverage the mundane and seek the Father in the secret place. When no one knows what's going on, when my left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing, I just seek the Father in the secret place. And Jesus gives this wonderful promise is that when I seek him in the secret place, the Father sees me. He hears me. He recognizes me. He affirms me. And he rewards me. And I'm telling you what, one smile from heaven far outweighs 10,000 likes on social media. One smile from my heavenly Father far outweighs 10 attaboys from people. One smile from my heavenly Father absolutely, 100%, totally tips the scale. Now the enemy will come at you and say, God doesn't see you. You're not important. You're unseen. Nobody cares. You're on your own. Here's what you need to do. Go do something wild. Go do something crazy to get noticed, even if it's just for a moment. Go do something. Prove yourself. Go, go make something of yourself to bring recognition to yourself so that you can be seen and heard. That's what the enemy said. But Jesus said this. Give in secret. Pray in secret. Fast in secret. And there's this undercurrent of what Jesus was saying in these three statements. It's almost like Jesus is highlighting, what are you serving? Who are you serving? Listen, you can do all the things. You can do all the right things. But where's your motive? Is your motive horizontal or is your motive vertical? Listen, the praises of people are fleeting. They're here one minute, one minute and gone the next. But the rewards of the Father are supernatural. He sees more than people will ever see, and his rewards will last for all eternity. You can do all the right stuff to be seen and heard by people, but Jesus is like, you got something so much greater than that. You've got so much something deeper than that. You're seen by your heavenly Father. Just seek him in the secret place. The life of faith says, beyond what I can currently see, beyond what I can touch and feel and experience in this physical realm, I choose to believe something greater is at work. I believe the Father who is unseen sees what I do in secret. He sees me. He sees what no one else can see. And he is a rewarder. And he knew me before I was born. And he delights in me. And he, he takes joy in me. That's what the scriptures tell us. And if I can get this truth to take root into my soul, if I can get it into my thinking, if I can get it into the way I talk, into my speech, if I can get it into my core convictions and values and the way that it, it, the way that I, it affects every part of my life, my entire worldview, then this perpetual drive to be, need to be seen and heard by people will eventually just automatically just kind of fade into the background. It won't kind of really be a thing anymore. And instead, the motivation of my life comes by knowing that I've been seen and I'm rewarded by my Heavenly Father. 
if I can get a revelation of this truth, that the Father sees what I do in secret, the fruit of that will be a motivation like I've never experienced before. The fruit of that will be a strength like I've never tapped into before. It will be a fulfillment like I've never felt before. And if you can get this, again, this revelation to get on the inside of you, eventually what you'll start to see maybe won't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight with Jesus. We had many years go by until, boom, he's at the Jordan River, gets baptized. The Holy Spirit ascends upon him like a dove, in the form of a dove, and he starts his public ministry. Actually, he doesn't start his public ministry right away. He actually leaves the baptism, and he goes into a 40-day fast in the wilderness. And then he comes out of that, and he starts his public ministry. And so what's going to happen? If you can get this core revelation, this conviction deep down on the inside of you, what you're going to see automatically start to happen is ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to just start to exude out of you. It'll, it'll be like breathing. You won't even have to think about it. You won't even have to try. What do we, talk, we talk about this all the time. How Apple trees don't try to produce apples. They just do it because it's part of their DNA. And when you are close to the Father, when you're seeking Him in the secret place, just automatically exuding out of you is going to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be able to walk into a place and change an atmosphere. You're going to be walking to a place and see the lies that the enemy has tried to dispel into people's hearts and minds. And you're going to be able to speak directly to those and tell people God's truth. Not like like that, but the truth in love. You're going to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You're going to be able to, to, to bring peace to hearts that were confused, I'm just telling you, it'll just be, it, it'll be like second nature. But you've got to spend time seeking him in the secret place. Let's pray. Jesus, so first of all, I just thank you that you're so kind. Heavenly Father, you, you don't try to get us to change or be transformed by beating us over the head. Instead, God, you, you call us up and you say, hey, avoid the pitfall. You don't have to be seen and heard by people. Just seek me in the secret place. Holy Spirit, I pray right now each and every one of our hearts would respond to this message. We just want to seek you in the secret place. We want your smile, God, to be good enough. Jesus, we just declare that you are enough reward. You are enough reward. If, if we don't see anything else of any kind of reward besides just getting to know you and be in relationship with you and be, be called your, your kids... We say that's good enough. But we know, we have faith, we read the scriptures and we know there's more. We know that you want to bless us with every spiritual blessing. We know that you have healing for our souls. We know that you've got a great plan for us. Plans to prosper us. Not plans for ruin, not plans for destruction. But a good hope and a good future for us. God, we just choose right now to 
not even focus so much on what the reward is going to be, although that's wonderful. We just want to seek you. We want to seek your face. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to start helping reposition our hearts. If any of us are out of alignment, reposition us, refocus us. If any of us, God, have wrong views of of who you are, Holy Spirit, just ask you to just cut through the noise right now. Reveal to us who the Father is. Show us who the Father is. And Lord, I just pray right now over your people that they would allow the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. They would welcome the Holy Spirit the work of the Holy Spirit into their life. They would come into agreement with it, and they would not come into agreement with the path of this culture that says, hey, do everything you can to be seen and heard. Instead, I pray, God, that we, each and every one of us, would come into agreement with saying, I just want to be seen and heard by the Father, and that be good enough. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to be led by the Spirit here in this moment. I don't have, I have a plan. I don't have all this mapped out. I just want to ask you this. If you just keep your eyes closed right now, everybody in the room, and you would say, if you're honest with yourself, this is a, an issue in your heart, something that you deal with. Maybe it has nothing to do with social media. Maybe it's a, it's a work thing for you. Maybe at work, this is what's going on. Maybe it's, a, it's at your house and your home. Maybe it's at your school. Maybe it does have to do with your, your peer group and just what people think of you when, you when you post on social media. I don't know, but if this is an issue, I would just ask you to take a step of faith. You know, we've talked about this, that faith without actions is dead. It's lifeless. It's breathless. So I want to ask you to take a step of faith right now And if this is an issue that you have in your heart, would you just simply raise your hand up and say, God, yeah, that's me. I admit. Okay. Hands are going up all the room, all the way around the room. Anybody else? You say, yeah, this is, I, yeah, okay. Another hand, more hands. Well, Lord, you saw those hands and you saw the ones who wouldn't even raise their hands. (laughs) Lord, I thank you. You're drawing, you're calling out to them. Lord, I pray that as they draw near to you, that you draw near to them and that they find out, God, for themselves that you are enough, that you are enough. Holy Spirit, help us be on guard and be aware of the traps of the enemy. Help us check our motives. Help us not do things to be seen by others, but just know that you see us in the secret place. If you're here today and you don't, aren't really even following the Lord, I want to invite you right now to make the decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to take a step on the path following him. Stop doing life my own way. And if that's you today, I just invite you to just join in me as I pray right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I see that the way I'm doing things is broken. It's a broken system. I don't want this. 
but what I want is the life that you have for me. And so I acknowledge right now, Jesus, that you're Lord of lords, and I submit to your lordship. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to make me new, like a new creation. So God, right now, we just declare that the old person that we were is is, is dead, it's buried. And we are new in you. And God, I ask you to change my life. Change my life, God. Not just the circumstances, but my soul, God. Change the circumstances of my soul, of my heart, God. And God, help me be who you created me to be and help me do what you created me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We've had a lot of exciting weeks over the last several weeks, right? This has been a little bit more of a chill moment. It's been good, though. It's been good. It's been rich. Would you stand up with me? You know, Elijah was hiding out in the cave. He was in exile trying to stay alive. He was being hunted. There was a manhunt, and he's waiting on the Lord, and like this big wind came, and it blew everything, and it was pretty violent, but the Lord wasn't in the wind, and an earthquake came, shook everything, the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, and a fire raged by where he was hiding, and the Lord wasn't in the fire that time. This time, the Lord was in just this, this Bible says, a still, small voice. So, Lord, I just pray you help us to tune in to your still, small voice. When (laughs) there's so much noise in our culture, there's so much wind, there's so much fire, there's so much earthquaking going in our culture, Holy Spirit, I pray that you... You help us tune in to the still, small voice that just simply says, your Father who is unseen sees what's done in secret and will reward you. Holy Spirit, we just ask, I just ask you, just keep doing a surgery on our hearts. Keep doing heart surgery on us, God. God, where there's places in my in my soul that are just not yet fully surrendered to you, God. I invite you to come in and mess me up. Where I have locked doors in my soul, God, come and kick them down. Where I've built walls, tear them down. And give me your heart. Give me a soft heart again. Give me a soft heart. Give me a tender heart. It's tender toward the things of you, God. That completely, totally and changes me and transforms me, sanctifies me. 
We invite your work, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.